This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey there, folks. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 254, recorded Monday, March the 7th. 2016. March 7th. Does that date mean anything to you? It means almost nothing to me other than tomorrow is my father-in-law's birthday. What was that? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. All right. Well, I started the playback on the uh, uh, on the video for today, ah, and uh, the audio was not turned down. Very good. Okay. Well, of course, we are here to recap the latest episode of The Walking Dead. And uh, I think for once, we're just going to jump straight in. Okay. Because we got a lot of title reads this week. Oh, awesome. <laughs> How exciting. I know. Um, and I just want to remind everyone, whether you're sending in a title read or a holy crap or feedback or, or any kind of email, let us know where you're from. We've been getting many lately where people just don't sign the email or they don't say where they're from and so on. And even if you write in all the time, I really, really appreciate it if you continue to say where you're from. It just makes my life easier when I'm sort of organizing this stuff. And, you know, if my life can't be easy, I don't know if it's worth living, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so give me convenience or give me death. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. That's okay. it. You know, it's it, it could be, even if you write in all the time, it can be difficult to keep track of where everyone's from. Like, I don't have a spreadsheet going or something like that, so... If anybody knows the name of the band that that's an album title for, Give Me Convenience or Give Me Death, I'll give you extra points. Extra points. Well, I'm not going to yeah. get those extra points. No. <laughs> but I bet you somebody out there knows it. Uh, all right. So this is for Season 6, Episode 12. Here we go. Not tomorrow yet. Not tomorrow yet. Coral! Coral! <laughs> Not tomorrow yet. Coral! Coral! Not tomorrow yet. Not tomorrow yet. Not tomorrow yet. Aha. Why don't you grab your beaten acorn cookies and come on upstairs, because... It's not tomorrow yet. <laughs> so, a wide variety of styles there this week. Uh, good old-fashioned beaten acorn cookies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, thank you to Jerry on the internet, June on the internet, Mark in Dewsbury, Dave and Anne on the internet, Jean-Sébastien in Lévis, Quebec, Sam in Decatur, Georgia, Gareth on the internet, and Todd uh, from Amelia Island, Florida. Florida. So that was fantastic. If you want to read the title, well, you can, uh, we'll remind you what it is on our feedback show this later this week before next week, and we'll play it before we do our recap. All right. Thanks to everyone for doing that. Let's begin the recap. So this episode starts with a montage. Yay. With happy music. Very happy music. It's a montage of Carol and she's doing stuff. We, yeah, she's she's getting beets off of a shelf. Yep, she's getting food from the pantry. Uh, lots of different cans of various things. She, we see her out in the forest gathering acorns. Mm -hmm. it took me a minute to 
figure out what she was picking up. Uh, I thought first first she was gathering rocks for some reason. <laughs> or sticks, rocks and sticks and, you know, junk or whatever. She's making a potpourri. That's what I figured. Well, yeah, I, I, I thought maybe, maybe mushrooms, like maybe she was mushroom picking in the forest. I know a lot of people do that. Mm-hmm. Experts don't, the ones who know how, you know, what mushrooms to pick that won't kill you when you yeah, eat or them. Or take a chart with you when you go to do that. Did these mushrooms make you die. These mushrooms make you get really sick and then die. And these mushroom mushrooms are tasty. Yeah. And, and it, make you die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because mushrooms all kill you. Um, Pretty much. The thing about uh, mushroom picking is I once was over at a friend's house whose parents are from Eastern Europe and they were expert mushroomers. Oh, yeah? And uh, there's a variety of mushroom that doesn't kill you, but it does make some people violently ill. Some people. Yes, not all. Some people are perfectly fine with it. Others, you eat it and you, you throw up a lot and then, you know, it goes away after a while and you're okay. And I was over there for once for dinner and there was some of these mushrooms in the dish we were having. And my friend's dad was like, you're going to have to let us know how this goes like in six hours from now. Cause, uh, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, sometimes these mushrooms make you violently ill, but we'll, we, there's only one way to find out. <laughs> wow. Did so, you have some? Yeah, I ate them. I was fine. Did- did, okay, you didn't get ill? I did not get ill, no. So it's the kind of illness that you recover from, right? Like you throw up for a little while and you go, geez, that was weird, and then get a popsicle and go on with your life. That's exactly right. Yeah, okay. But I didn't throw up. Uh, so she's out in the forest gathering acorns, and suddenly a walker comes up. So she kills the walker. I just want to talk about this zombie for a second, because this was the first time in a long time, maybe ever, that the moment I saw this zombie, I thought it looked really terrible. I thought this was a bad-looking zombie. To me, it looked like a cheap mask on this woman. I'm looking at it. It doesn't look that bad to me. I didn't... I immediately... This one jumped out at me, and I was like, oh, that's so fake-looking. Like, it didn't look like makeup and prosthetics. It looked like a Halloween mask over her face. Nah, it looks like makeup and prosthetics to me. I don't know what you're looking at. All right. Well, I don't know. I... Her eyeball is ridiculously large and obviously tacked on the outside of her face. But other than that, <laughs> sure. everything looks fine. Well, the eyeball, that's okay. I mean, the eyeball is kind of half popping out, which is all right. But And her mouth is square. Well, I didn't notice that. I just thought the, <laughs> ma- the it looked like a mask. And I, and I thought later, you know, maybe Greg Nicotero, who is the head effects guy on this show, he's mm-hmm. also off working on... Fear the Walking Dead, which they're filming right now. So I wondered if maybe he wasn't there that day and they had the intern do it or something, and that's it. I mean, I don't know. No no offense to whoever created right. that zombie, but... So whoever did, Greg Nicotero came on the set the next day and took his scarf, his or her scarf, because uh, you're only allowed to wear the scarf if you're Greg Nicotero approved. Yeah. The only problem with that theory is I'm pretty sure, now that I think about it, this episode was directed by him. So he was likely there. <sighs> He was probably thinking about something else. He's <laughs> yeah, like, oh, we got to get the, you know, once you're, if you're just the special effects person and your entire responsibility is special effects, you're going to fight for the best special effects in uh, ever, right? right? This is, this is, this is my job. I need to have the special effects. You're going to fight, you're going to fight, you're going to fight until you get your way. And it's Greg Nicotero and he's such, this, such a god as far as uh, special effects or practical effects go. Everybody will be just like, uh, yes, Mr. Nicotero, uh, we will address the issue immediately. Mm-hmm. But if he's directing, he's got all this other shit to worry about. He's like, oh, 
about budgets, timelines. Oh my God, if we don't get this shot right now, we're going to go into overtime and then everybody's on double time and a half and that blows my entire budget. I just need to get this done. Let's try and fix it in post. You seem to have this all figured out. Well, I'm just, I'm, it's speculation, right? Because yeah, like you know, when you're though. the director, you got all kinds of shit to worry about. And you know, if you're a producer, you got other things to worry about. It's like, ah, does it have to be a zombie? If I be like something else, could, could could it be a goat? I mean, let's bring yeah, a goat in. Could we bring a goat in? A goat is cheaper than uh, yeah. hiring an extra. Yeah, yeah. We got I got this goat guy. <laughs> I know a goat guy. <laughs> um, if there's one thing I've learned from TV and movies, directors are always concerned about losing the light. Come on, people, we're losing the light. <laughs> we're losing the light. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They right. not only budget. What are they? Uh, showrunners. Uh, did you watch that documentary on showrunners? No, I've heard of oh, it though. Does the document? It's really good. It's like okay, running a show, or in, in this case, directing. In, in my mind, it's like uh, painting a painting, uh, running a bake sale, and doing your taxes all at the same time. Ooh, that sounds tough. Yeah, because you got to get to juggle all of these things. Yeah, all right. Well, so, so Nicotero had to let something slide here, and in my opinion, it was this zombie. Right. Okay. Uh, okay. So. We cut to Carol back in town now. She's all bloody, so she's picking out a new outfit. She's had a shower. Uh, we see her in the kitchen roasting the acorns and baking cookies. Can you do that? Can you roast acorns and have them edible? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, you roast chestnuts and you can eat those. Can But you can eat chestnuts unroasted, right? I'm not sure you can. Oh. I don't know. There are, there are some nuts. Oh, I learned about this. When I was in Costa Rica many, many years ago, I forget what the nut is, but there's a nut that has a shell on it and you have to remove the shell. Parts of it are toxic, oh, maybe yeah. lightly poisonous, and uh, but the nut inside is not. Now I can't remember what nut it is, but maybe maybe uh, chestnuts or acorns are like that. I don't know. You have to roast them maybe. Okay, because I know squirrels can eat acorns, but people don't. Hmm. So, you know, if roasting acorns is a thing, mm -hmm. are they edible? Anybody, If anybody knows, let me know because... Uh, you know, I wouldn't mind trying roasted acorns. I'll if... bet you it's a it's a thing somewhere. Like it's probably something people do somewhere in the world. And probably. if I and if I was lost in the forest, I think I would take my chances and try to eat an acorn. Yeah, you can actually eat boiled shoe leather if you really need to. <laughs> if you really need to, people have done it. You can survive on that. Well, there you go. It's really yucky, but I'm just wondering if uh, if you can roast acorns and have them be not uh, not only edible, but uh, maybe even a little tasty. Maybe. A little salt, maybe? Salt, yeah. Salted roasted acorns. Sounds like a nice Christmas treat. All right. Well, at this rate, uh, we're going to be here all night. Okay. <laughs> Talking right. about roasting till, acorns. Until Christmas. Until Christmas, yeah. Um, so, she, she was she's walking around town, handing out Tupperwares full of cookies, and uh, we see more kids run through the town. So this is a couple episodes now since in the back half of season six that we've got to look at the kids that supposedly live in Alexandria. Yeah. And they've got Car some cookies. Carol's handing out cookies to kids. Mm. That's not a good sign. Maybe acorns aren't edible. Oh, maybe not. She's handing them out to everyone, though, including Tobin, who she goes to visit. And he tells her that it's the best beet and acorn cookie he's ever had. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. Exactly. I don't, I don't think he's lying. I don't think so either. I mean, it may be the only one he's ever had. So, mm. uh, All right. Just then, Rick and the gang get back from the hilltop, and Sasha and Aaron walk up, and Rick and Michonne say that they have food for a month. Hmm. So that's good. That is very good. And Rick wants everyone to meet in the church, and he tells Carol, who's now there, that they're going to have to fight. 
So that's sort of, you know, the first indication that they're going to have to do something. And Carol, she has one cookie left and she takes it and leaves it on Sam's grave. Yeah, that was nice. That was nice. I mean, she left the, he loved the cookies and, you know, it's indirectly her fault that he's dead. So uh, she left him a cookie. But while she's there, Morgan comes up behind her and he wants to know that why Carol didn't or anyone else who was in that room with the wolf didn't tell Rick what happened in there. Yeah. And what Morgan means is didn't tell Rick that, uh, you know, I didn't kill the wolf and therefore all this other bad stuff happened. And Morgan suggests that Carol not telling Rick kind of makes it seem like she was a part of it, a part of the whole thing that blew up in their faces there. But she denies that, of course. Right, right, right. Um, the thing I didn't really love about this scene is we skipped over four weeks or eight weeks or whatever it was when this was happening. Morgan was probably stressing about this, fretting about it. Carol, you know, uh, Carol made a point to talk to the others to say, don't tell Rick about this. Let's leave it alone. But we don't get to see any of that. We get it spoon fed to us here in this scene, which yeah, I felt was a yeah, little because strange. Of that, uh, that glossing over of it we had from uh, last episode or from the uh, first episode in this half of the season to the second episode. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I'm not saying I really wanted to see this. And again, I, I don't, I don't know if that time jump would have included compelling TV. I mean, it's, it's TV show. So who knows if they wrote something good, it would have been great. But, um, but I don't like scenes like this where they talk about something that happened that the audience hasn't seen. So they're just kind of, telling us to fill us in what's going on with these characters you know they're they're giving us information so that we can somehow understand how morgan is feeling instead of sort of showing us events and actions and stuff like that that indicate how he's feeling right and it it's it's a small thing especially in this case i think but it kind of jumped out at me a little bit as one more reason where i'm not sure i'm a big fan of time jumps like that so or at least the weird exposition where everybody has to show up and uh, go around the table just to catch them up on what they were doing and how they're feeling and how they felt about what they were doing. And it yeah. seems like uh, going to school after the summer vacation, what did you do on your summer vacation? <laughs> right. I went to the water park and I went to the park and petted my dog. Yeah. I See, felt good about that. That's right. And <laughs> if real life was a TV show... I can see why they do a time jump. Cause well, that's exactly what happens every Monday morning. I mean, you work in an office, right? How was your weekend? Oh, it was pretty good. What'd you do? You got to do the catch-up things. Like, oh, I cleaned out the cupboards, and I uh, I was thinking about taking the lights down for for Christmas from Christmas, and I was uh, <laughs> considering cleaning the gutters, but it wasn't quite nice enough for that. You know, it's you have to do that every Monday morning. That was your weekend right there, wasn't it? it, it yeah, it was. It's March, you know. You got to take your Christmas lights down, like, a month ago. Oh, you don't have to take them down. You just <laughs> unplug them for a while. Nobody else in my neighborhood has the lights down. No, uh, I took mine down this year. Oh, so no, they're still up. They're just, they're not working. I was thinking about it. You know, I got to take them down soon. Right. Maybe next weekend. It's supposed to be nice. It is. It is pretty nice this week. All right. So we go to the opening credits and when we come back, we are at the big church meeting. So everybody's there, or at least everybody we know, plus a few people we don't, I think. And Rick is explaining what happened at the hilltop. He's talking about who the uh, saviors are. And he uh, tells them that eventually they're going to come for them too and that they'd have to fight. So 
what he wants to do is basically take the fight to them first before they're all weakened and starving and stuff like that. Right. Um, so it's he, preemptive retaliation. It's exactly what it is. It's yeah. a preemptive strike. Yeah. Um, he asks, you know, if there's anyone who objects uh, to speak now. He says he wants it to be a group decision. And, of course, Morgan is the one who stands up and he basically says that, uh, you know, if you're sure we can beat these people, why don't we just tell them that, give them an out, basically strong arm them into submitting to us. Right. And he reiterates his feeling that where there's a life, there's possibility and we don't have to kill all these people. But, of course, Rick thinks that's talking is a huge mistake. That's uh, hogwash. That's hogwash. Poppycock. <laughs> that's right. All of those things. Hokum. Oakum. Well, that's what Rick thinks. Um, so then Aaron gets up and he says, what happened here? We won't let that happen again. And what I took from this is that he's agreeing with Rick. He's basically speaking for everyone else, sort of agreeing with Rick, saying that, you know, we can't let anything bad happen to this place. But at the same time, I'm not 100% clear on what exactly he was referring to when he says, what happened here, we won't let that happen again. Well, it's the uh, the wolves, when the wolves came. Is that it? Like, Yeah, the... I think that's it. When the wolves came and invaded, we, we didn't stop this group before they got here. So now that we know about another group, mm-hmm. uh, we don't want them to just show up on our doorstep where we have to deal with them. We need to take the fight to them. We need to do a preemptive uh, strike so uh, before they ever get here, because they're you know we know that they're bad asses yeah. and they're going to show up here and uh, fuck shit up. So let's go. <laughs> uh, let's go take the fight to them. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, that does make sense. They didn't know about the wolves before either. They just they were sort of blissfully ignorant, and then they got attacked, and luckily were able to fend them off. I guess. Yeah. Um, but true, if that happens again, especially with a stronger, more organized group, they'd probably be in trouble. So um, nobody else gets up in the room and Rick decides it's settled. OK, we'll kill them all, he says. Yep. <laughs> we'll kill them all. Um, we cut over to Carol. She is in bed, but she can't sleep. And so she turns on her light and reaches over to her bedside table and takes out a notebook that appears to be a list of people she has killed. Yes. In some sort of code. So well, here it is. Here, here's the code. Okay, good. It's R, K, B, L, and it says Terminus slash Courtyard, three, Candlewoman, four, W, S, seven, and then eventually she writes down 18 and circles it, which is the total. So K and D are obviously Karen and David whom she burned back at the prison. L is Lizzie. Uh, Terminus Courtyard is when she blew up the thing, the gas tank in Terminus. I guess she figures about three people died, because I think there's a question mark beside that. There is. It's three question mark. And then Candlewoman is Denise something or other. Candlewoman was, uh, yeah, the woman in the weird um, candle... Uh, memorial room or whatever that was? Yes, that's right. What does the four mean beside her name? I'm not sure. Maybe she killed her four times. I don't know. So there's that. W.S. Wolves? Yes. So she killed seven wolves, she figures. And then way back to the beginning, the first one is R. Who's R? What was her husband's name? She didn't kill him. She didn't kill him. That was Ed. So who's R? There's got to be someone we're forgetting here. 
Randy? <laughs> was there a Randy? Yeah, there was Randy. No, no, there was. <laughs> Randy was wasn't Randy the name of the guy they they captured in season two and held on the farm for a little while. Maybe his name wasn't Randy. I I don't Maybe. think Karen rerun rerun. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure who R was. I'd have to go back. Maybe uh, maybe it's somebody that she killed before we met up with her and or before the apocalypse. Yeah, that's right. Maybe she killed someone before the zombie apocalypse. Maybe that was her first husband. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, I don't know. If, if anyone knows who R is, I might go and check the wiki, but uh, I'm sure people will write in to remind us. Uh, so that's about 18 people, and those are all living human beings. Not walkers. Yep. So she is a bona fide serial she killer. She really is. And I must admit, in that scene, she seemed kind of distraught about it. Like, she didn't look happy to be looking at this list of yeah. of 18. Um, so we go to Maggie and Glenn. They are sitting at a table talking and... Um, Counting money. Is that what they're doing? <laughs> no, they're not. They have a chart... A- a couple of jars full of change dumped out on the table right. and a bunch of old cans. They're filling cans with chains, change to make rattlers to hang around the house so that when the zombies come, they rattle and make noise. Man. They're making a, they're making a, uh, a, a noise. A, zomb- a zombie trap. warning system. Yeah. You got everything yeah. figured out, man. Well, at first I'm like, what are they counting change? What the hell? <laughs> they're going to have a roll of quarters they're in gonna, a zombie apocalypse? Reinst- Here's my they're 10 bucks. They're going to reinstate a monetary system in, in Alexandria. Yeah, and they're going to corner the market on quarters. <laughs> That's right, exactly. Okay, good. Well, they're doing that, but they're talking about um, how Maggie is going to go with them on the attack on the saviors, basically. But she's going to stay on the perimeter to keep watch. She's not going to go in and run around and fire guns and stuff like that. Um, and she says, I made the deal, so I have to go do this. I got to be a part of it. I can't just make a deal like this and then hang back where it's safe. That wouldn't be cool. Meh. Right? I'm sure she could do that just oh, Probably. Being pregnant and all. I mean, you want to take it easy. Um, Carol, uh, Carol's now walking, and uh, she approaches Tobin, starts talking to him, and uh, he says he's worried about tomorrow. Not because he's going with them, uh, but because Carol is. And he tells her that she does terrifying things. <laughs> yes, she does. Um, now, he also says that, like, she's like, what do you mean? And he says, well, you're a mom. And I wasn't, I am I guess I'm all over the place in this episode, but I wasn't clear if he meant that the things she does as a mom are terrifying or she does terrifying things because she's a mom. I think there's a slight th- difference there. Well, yes, but I think it's a, she does terrifying things and she's a mom. Like right. I can't reconcile these two things that you can, you're capable of, uh, you know, this very tough, uh, you know, warrior type person who can do these terrible things when you need to. But yet uh, a lot of the time I see you walking around handing out fresh baked cookies to everybody and being the, uh, the town mom. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, him unable to reconcile these things. And I can and, see that. I mean, she's she's all over the place with the killing and then the mothering later on. Yeah. And uh, uh, he's a smoker. She's not. But they're both sharing a cigarette. As, as an ex-smoker, you can tell when actors are actual smokers and when they're not. Absolutely. Well, Carol smoked a lot in this episode. Was she not doing she, it right? 
uh, there's just there's something that you can just tell from somebody who's held thousands of cigarettes to someone who's held maybe 10, 15 cigarettes. No matter how much you practice and how much you mimic, there's just as a smoker, you can tell when somebody is a smoker or was a smoker. Come on, though. That's something as an actor you could learn to do, isn't it? I it's it's very easy to tell. Huh. Interesting. She, yeah, she just the way she was holding the cigarette is just not absolute natural. But Tobin, he's holding on to it like a champ. He's a smoker or at least was. It'd be it'd be like me trying to smoke a cigarette now. I mean, it would be probably the funniest thing you've ever seen in your life. Well, I don't know if it'd be funny, but uh, I could tell that you Oh, I bet it would be you're funny. Not, you, never, you're new to it. Never smoked a cigarette in my life. I have no idea how to do it, what to do, and it's it's just never been part of my <laughs> my personality. So I'll, I got, I'll show I got you. nothing. I miss it every day. That's so bizarre. I don't understand that at all. Oh my god! It was ten years. My birthday uh, this year was uh, will mark the tenth anniversary of the last cigarette I had. Well, that's amazing. That's good. It is. Yeah, very good. That's good. It's I quit some, on my birthday. Someday you should stop missing it. Never. I don't think that'll ever no, happen. No, I can't do that because as soon as I stop missing it, then I will start thinking that's okay just to have one. Ah, okay. And, it, and it's that uh, the absolute sureness that I have that the next drag I have will be $40,000 because I will start smoking again and I won't be able to stop until after I've spent probably $40,000 on cigarettes. That's too much. Yes. So that's, I, I can never, ever have another drag of cigarette. Okay. Ever. Good. Well, I hope you don't. But I miss it. Well, Tobin, he's smoking. Carol is smoking. And she asks if uh, she's a mom figure to him too. And he says <laughs> no, luckily. <laughs> so they so they start kissing. Uh, yes, but, and then they start making out. Yeah. <laughs> right. If he'd said, yeah, yeah, I feel like you're my mom. It would have made that kiss a lot more awkward. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But look, another another love connection happening here. We've got Rick and Michonne, and now we've got uh, Carol and Tobin hooking up. Yeah, we got a love boat going on here. We do, but I'm okay with that. I like it. We need we need this once in a while. Yeah, everybody's relaxing a little bit and uh-huh. letting off a little uh, sexual steam. There you go. The steam is rising. <laughs> yeah. All right, we go inside to Abraham and Rosita's house, and he's packing. And Rosita comes in, and she thinks he's packing, like, for the mission tomorrow. But really, he's packing to leave and break up with her. And that's what he says, I'm leaving. Uh, She gets really upset and, you know, wants to know why. Why? Why are you doing this? And he's super cold towards her. And he, he says to her, when I first met you, I thought you were the last woman on Earth, but you're not. Oh, that's... The worst thing I can possibly think of to say when you're breaking up with someone. I can't think of anything worse. Well, especially in this scenario. I mean, we were talking about how, you know, you've got to do, Abe's got to do what he's got to do, right? And if he doesn't want to be with Rosita, that's fine. He just, he just needs to handle it the right way. He did not handle it the he, right way. He, this was the opposite of the right way to handle it. To, to just like it seemed like he was just going to pack up and leave without even talking to her, and then she comes in and gets uh, understandably upset and wants to know why, and he he tells her this. <laughs> like it, it's so it's almost borderline evil. Yeah, 
it's it's it not only makes her feel bad that he's leaving, but completely negates the entire relationship they had. Ugh. I thought you were the last woman on earth, but you're not. You're not. So Oh, it's just it was so gut-wrenching. It's like I think that was one of the best lines he ever delivered and this that uh that scene was probably one of my favorites in the entire show just cuz that was so mean. But it makes Abraham such a prick. And and they've been leading up to that. They've been leading up to him being such a prick. I'm not so sure about that. They've been leading up to him being confused and wanting what he wants and it's not Rosita and that's fine. I mean, one, it's just if you're a nice human being, you let someone down easy or you, you know, you give them it's not you, it's me, you know, whatever. But you don't say I'm only with you because you were the last woman on earth. And now that you're not, I never liked you anyway, is what he's saying kind of thing. Yeah. That's just so cruel. You don't always have to say the truth in situations like this. And I think this makes him unnecessarily dickish. But they've been he they've been leading up to the fact that Abraham doesn't have a filter between what he thinks and what he says, and what he thinks is just borderline cruel. I think they've been leading up to this with his character. Well, the only so, filter he has is the like ridiculous one-liner filter. So he has a normal thought in his brain, but it comes out as wired dingleberries brown, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and a fro- if a frog had wings, he wouldn't bump his ass when he when he popped right i don't know it's i just i think they i feel like they just made him too much of an asshole in this scene no i I liked it i'm all on board with this i think uh i've i this scene and that line that he delivered for me completely reconciled all of the one-liners he's been giving over the last few episodes and makes it okay for me oh god i'm not i don't see the relationship between the two as much and i think even in this scene, there was another one-liner later on in the episode. I think there's another one. So, um, yeah, I don't know. And the fact, just the fact that this is such a small community, it's not like, I said before, it's not like you can break up with someone and never see them again. I mean, you still, you're living next door, you know, pretty much, and yeah. you're still going to see them. So it's all the more reason to not burn your bridges and not be such a prick. Yeah. Oh, no, it, it definitely was was cruel and mean and borderline evil. and yeah. was just an awful, awful, awful thing to say. And I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> just, I loved it. Well, man, I don't know. Um, so she is obviously upset. Uh, he, he leaves and before she slams the door, <laughs> good old Eugene standing there eating a cookie, <laughs> watching yep. them. Um, that was at one, you know, on one hand, hilarious. And the other hand, just so sad. <laughs> it's a little sad. He's like a big baby. Like he's just, he's just a, he's a big baby. Yeah. He's eating, he's eating a cookie. Uh, and he's got a sign or shirt on that says Virginia is for lovers. That's an actual Virginia slogan that they came up with back in the sixties or seventies, I think. Uh, yeah, it's all, it's all good. <laughs> and he's living in the house and he's there. And, uh, I think he's a, a viable option for her now. We joked about, you know, they're in bed and he's probably in the closet peeking around and watching them and stuff like that. I don't think we were that far off. No. He's, no, no. He actually lives in that house, and he's hanging around, and he's just being creepy. So, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, that was I funny. It. I mean, it was a, it was an amazing contrast to the a moment before it was so brutal, and now it's so funny with him standing there. 
Well, they got to give us a little bit of levity, right? Like that yeah. was such a punch in the gut, that line, that they have had to give us something to to a little bit of comic relief. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Well, we cut to uh, sort of a voiceover scene, kind of, where we see Andy. He's the guy from the hilltop that they brought, and he's drawing a picture, uh, like a diagram of the Savior's compound and stuff, and doing a voiceover. He's talking with um, Rick and Michonne, and I think you hear Glenn's voice, and uh, he says, you know, there's a building, big satellites on top. All he saw was a room where they store food, stuff like that. Um, while this is going on, we go over to Tara and Denise who are in their house and Tara tells Denise that she loves her and Denise says, I'll say it when you come back. <laughs> yeah, that's super nice. I like that, that you said that. Thank yeah. You. <laughs> and I'll, and I'll, I'll say it too when you come back from your, uh, your two week run that you're yeah. going on to have a baby. With, str- with strategically placed dish rack. Yeah. Uh, hiding the, uh, the baby bump. Yeah. Yeah. The, at this point, the really large baby bump, I think. She said on AMC's Talking Dead after that filming that episode, she was about nine months pregnant. So Nice. So she was uh, full on there. Um, very, very pregnant. Very. it's not just a binary state. Uh, no, she's pregnant, very- not pregnant. Very. It's like pregnant and then like turn that dial all the way up to 11 and uh, you're pretty pregnant. You really are. Uh, Tara invites Denise to come on the run so they can continue to be together. But she says no because she's the only doctor and she has too much responsibility here. Which, yeah, but they're about to go get, you know, let the whole bunch of bullets fly and they could probably use a doctor on site. Uh, yeah, maybe. But she's talking about the two-week run and Denise, they're going to oh, leave yeah. They're going to leave straight from, from you know, the Savior's compound. Yeah, I hopefully. Mean, they just assume everything goes well. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, everything will be fine. Don't worry. We'll go in there. We'll shoot a bunch of people, stab some more in the head. We'll come on out. We'll have a little barbecue maybe, yeah. you know, barbecue up some pork, whatever. And hit the and road. Then, uh, and then we'll hit the road. That's right. <laughs> it's going to be a hoot nanny. It sure will. Uh, so that's it. We go back to Andy. He's drawn more diagrams, and we find out that their plan is to hit, uh, uh, to get in at night and secure the armory. And uh, that's what's going to give them the advantage and make this whole thing a success. If they can get all their weapons, and then they won't have anything to fight back with. True. Um, and Rick says that they want Gregory's head, so we're going to give it to them. Damn right. And that's how they're just going to open the door and let us walk right in. So there you go. Good plan. Which we don't entirely know the full scope of yet, but we find out soon. Well, I figured they were, were going to go back to Hilltop and kill Gregory and grab his head. Sound- I just assumed that that was the plan. Yeah, yeah. It sounded like it. Yeah. It sounded like it. Uh, after a commercial break, we come back, and now the whole group is out on the road, and they stop, and they honk their horns. Three vehicles. They all honk their horns, and they all get out of their their vehicles, the RV yeah. and a couple of cars. Yeah. We're here now. We're over here. Hello. We're, <laughs> we're here. here. We've stopped. That's right. Well, what they're actually doing is attracting zombies to the area that they could kill to try to find one that looked like Gregory and pretend that's his head. True. Good plan. It is a good plan. Not bad. Um, anyways, they all get out of their, their vehicles. Rick tells everyone to fan out a quarter mile, see what they have. Father Gabe is with them. Not a character I would think necessarily would come on a mission like this, but he's there. And Rick asks him why he still wears his priest clothes. And he says, uh, well, despite learning how to shoot and kill people, this is still who I am. Mm-hmm. Plus, it'll be harder for them to see me in the dark. <laughs> yeah, except for that bright white thing on your collar. Right, except for that. Everything else, he's all black. 
so now as they're walking away, Rosita tells Carol that she almost told everybody about Morgan at the church meeting. And um, she thinks that it was out of line for Morgan to try to talk them out of this mission. Uh, so she wanted to like, you know, call his or reveal his secret to everybody. Right. Um, but Carol says that if they told, here's something else you can clarify for me, Jason. Carol okay. says that if they told everyone, they'd find out about Denise. Right. She says that. And I wasn't sure where that was going either. That um, Denise was captured by the, the, did, the wolf guy and almost killed. And then the wolf almost saved her. Saw, tried like, to save tried her. Tried to save her. Does that sort of validate Morgan's feelings a little bit? I mean, in a way it does, but is that something you'd want to hide from everybody? No, I'm sorry. I, I'm unable to clarify it for you. Chris. Right. I don't know. I don't know. All right. So that's what she says. They'd find out about Denise. Um, uh, and, and the other thing that happens here is Carol, in my mind, kind of defends Morgan for not wanting to kill people. She says something like he just doesn't want, you know, to kill anyone. And Rosita goes the sort of Carol route here and says, you know, nobody wants to kill, but it happens and we have to do it sometimes. Yes. So what I think I got out of this is Carol, in a way, as we suspected, is sort of starting to see Morgan's side of things. Not really. And she won't admit that to him. But um, I think deep down, she's kind of thinking, you know, maybe I don't have to kill everybody all the time. Right, because she's got 18 kills to her name of uh, human right. beings. God knows how many uh, zombies that she's killed. She's got a new boyfriend, right? Yeah, exactly. So maybe she doesn't want to kill everybody because she likes her new boyfriend and doesn't want to have to tell him that she's killed 78 people, including 43 children, because <laughs> they were annoying and sometimes a little loud. Uh, that would so, be seriously a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, you know, maybe she wants to back off from the, uh, the you know, the, the child slaughter path that she's on so that she can hang out with her new boyfriend. Yeah, it's, I mean, she's she's seeing other avenues here, right? She's yeah. she's seeing other things are happening in her life now that kind of are changing her mind, I think, a little bit. Uh, but Rosita's like, no, we got to kill people. I mean, that's what we do. And see, see, she was just dumped. So she's kind of seeing the other aspect of things yeah, yeah. now, right? Yeah, I'm going to kill everybody, including Abraham, that stupid lecherous ass <laughs> that's right and his new girlfriend i'm gonna start with the two of them <laughs> i'm gonna start with the not last woman on earth bitch yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> all right so we go to glenn and heath and they're in the woods they kill some walkers and uh they start analyzing the look of them and we don't actually know what they're doing yet at this point but i started to figure it out here and he says he's never had to kill a human before and asks Glenn if he's nervous about doing it. And turns out Glenn's never killed a human before either. And yeah, I was wondering what that answer was was going to be. So when he asked him, like, oh, has Glenn, who has Glenn killed? Yeah. I, don't, I can't remember anybody. Turns out no living people. And he says, the analogy he uses is, is he says that have you ever seen something that made it hard to like eat or sleep and uh, he says, killing someone's got to be worse than that. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, I'm kind of nervous about it. Um, and then he leans down and starts cutting the head off the walker. Because, <laughs> you know. I, I just find that ironical. 
Ironical, do you? Yeah. So you need talking about killing somebody. It's like, well, that's got to be very uh, vexing and uncomfortable and make you not want to eat things. <laughs> All right, let's cut these guys' heads off. But excuse me, I'm going to cut this this guy's head off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ironical's a word. Yeah. I think it's just ironic. <laughs> <laughs> You're, I'm not sure. Okay. Um, back on the road, uh, Rick is kind of reviewing the plan. And he says that they're going to attack a couple of hours before dawn, uh, but that they'll check the place out. And if they don't like what they see, they'll abort and make a new plan. But you had to figure that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Um, now, as he's walking away, Carol asks Rick why Maggie is here. What's she doing? He says she's going to guard the perimeter. But Carol is really concerned that Maggie shouldn't be there and says, fine, I'll stay with her. Um, so she's not alone and so on and so on. But really, she shouldn't be out here with them. Yeah. So she's concerned for Maggie's well-being. Rick goes over to Jesus and Andy, and they have three severed heads on the ground that kind of look like Gregory. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Jesus says, you know, the nose is wrong on this one. So what does Rick do? Picks up the head by the hair, punches it in the face a bunch of times, and breaks the nose. (laughs) Well, yeah, but that seems like a little, uh, you know, just just punching a, a severed head probably wouldn't break the nose. You know, granted... Heads in this world are uh, very soft, but I like brace it up against something to to punch it. And I might even not use my fist because, as we all know, uh, punching someone in the face a bunch of times really hurts your hand. You like maybe use a rock or something. Use a rock. You have all have firearms. Use the butt of a firearm and bash somebody in the face with it. But you got to admit, it was kind of hilarious seeing him pick up that head and just start boxing it in the face (laughs) yes it was kind of funny it was pretty funny now he puts the head down and andy delivers the best line of the episode possibly the best line of the season and he says you know the saviors they're scary but this prick's got nothing on you (laughs) you (laughs) know that's so good because everyone's so afraid of negan and we've heard what he can do we've heard he beats guys to death just to make a point um, and they're scared shitless of them, that so much so that they're giving all ha- well half of their stuff to the saviors. And then he says to Rick, "Yeah, they're scary, <laughs> but he's got nothing on you." Yeah, they just—they're just—they uh, just got guns and try and do things. But uh, you are just—you're plum loco. Well, and I think he's also try- trying to say, you know, that's right. Negan and the, his group—they have guns, and they're just—they're just assholes, and they take our stuff. You. You've got a plan to be an asshole. Like you, you're thinking ahead. You know, Negan, yeah. I'm not sure does that, but Rick is thinking ahead. So, yeah, uh, I thought it was really, it was a great line, and it was really telling about you know our characters versus everybody else. So, uh, all right, we come back, I think, from commercial break, and it's nighttime, and a car drives up to the Savior's building. We know it's the building because it has these giant satellite dishes on top. I was so excited when I saw that. I'm like, Negan has a SETI program. He, I was so happy. He basically does. He's <laughs> He needs all those supplies so he can keep everyone happy and continuing to search for extraterrestrial life. Yeah, because what else would you do with, you know, huge satellite, uh, you know, uh, what is it, a radio astronomy? Mm-hmm. Probably what they're doing. That, I think that would, that's very exciting. But it also makes me worried. Because when you see a couple of huge dishes like that, they're not just satellite dishes because they don't point at satellites, right? Right. So, you know, it's not for TV. It's for, you know, radio astronomy or whatever. Yeah. 
But uh, those are excellent, excellent places to put a sniper. Like that's probably yeah. why they're in that building is so that they can have snipers on those things uh, watching for miles and miles around and having a great overwatch position because there's all, it's all scaffolding, right? Mm-hmm. Very easily could you hide a human being in there with a rifle. So that, uh, as soon as I saw those, I'm like, yeah, there's just snipers in there. I was thinking they're a good way to collect rainwater. Also good. Yeah. Although you'd think that there's some sort of drainage built into them. Otherwise they would just fill up with rainwater all the time. But uh, yeah, you- actually they're porous. Oh, okay. They're made of, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they got holes. A whole thing has got holes in it. So it's not little a, tiny holes, like, no. like in a microwave oven. When you look through the window, you see the little holes because yes. the microwaves are actually about the size of a pencil. Wow. So as long as the hole is smaller than a pencil, you'll, uh, microwaves won't get out. So a terrible way to collect rainwater then. Yeah, generally. All Put right. out a bucket. You'd be fine. Yeah, that's a good way to do it too. <laughs> uh, well, he, the car drives up. Some red lights come on, voices start yelling, tells, uh, you know, the, whoever's in the car to identify themselves and get out. So Andy gets out and he's got a bag, clearly a head bag, uh, <laughs> two guards. Is that what it's called? A head bag? A head bag. Yeah. I got, I got a head bag. Is that, you know. <laughs> I, I had a head bag right here actually, but it's out of my reach right now. <laughs> they can't be called that. Well, it's a bag with a head in it. What else? Well, are you yes, call it's it? a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, but it's not that. That's not the type of bag. Uh, it's a bag with a like a shoebox. It's a shoe fine. bag, probably with a head in it. Yeah, you get shoebox. That's fine. You've got a briefcase. That's fine. But you know, a head bag seems a little extreme for something that has a title. So ski bag, hockey bag, those are okay. Those are fine. Head bag. All right. Head bag. Probably not. Well, anyways, he's it's got a bag with a head in it. it no doubt. Definitely that. Uh, so two guards come out of the building and they make him take the head out of the bag. They inspect it and they seem to believe that this is in fact Gregory. Uh-huh. Um, and he grabs it by the chin and makes the bag talk, which was super hilarious. That was hilarious. That's what, uh, if only he had done that while drinking a glass of water, I would have been all on board. Okay. Well, I thought it was funny. It was funny. Um, so... One guard goes in to get Craig because he said, great, you guys have learned your lesson. We'll get your man. We'll send him out. You can take him home. And the other guard starts standing there whistling happy birthday for some reason. And why? I'll tell you why in a minute. That's when Daryl sneaks up and cuts his throat. Yep. So happy birthday. Uh, yeah, the, recently the, uh, I think there was a court oh, case or why. something that yeah. copyright has expired on happy birthday and uh, you can, it's free use now. You can perform it in public. That's right. Whereas before you couldn't, you had to sing, uh, you're the birthday, you're the birthday, you're the birthday, boy or girl. <laughs> do you know that from the Simpsons? I think I do, yeah. Yeah. You're the birthday, you're the birthday, right. you're the birthday, boy or girl. Yes, that's right. I have heard that before. Well, now you can do the actual happy birthday song. I was very excited to hear that on national television. I'm like, yay, happy birthday. Well, For it, use. Was, it was the last thing he ever did because he got his throat cut by Daryl. And um, then the rest of the group run up, hide the body. And scatter. <laughs> yep. The other guard comes back out. Doesn't seem to notice that the guy is gone. And uh, these guys yeah. are the worst. Yeah, they're not. They're <laughs> not very good guards. Um, but he has Craig with him, and he hands over Craig, and then Michonne puts her sword through his back. So both these guards are now down, mm-hmm. pretty quietly. You know, no alarms were raised. Um, 
so at this point, um, Andy and Tara, who are there, they take Craig back to the vehicle where Jesse and Father Gabriel are. And the rest of the group enters the building. So it's a big group of our characters who are going into the building, all alert, basically there to clear it out and try to find the armory. Uh, They start searching for it. They fan out, you know, around the building. And Rick, he enters a room with some people sleeping Mm -hmm. and stabs a dude in the head without waking him up. So they're just cold-hearted murdering these people. Yep, just murder. Straight murder. They're not even waking them up to let them know they're going to be murdered first and then murdering them. Yeah, I I have a problem with, you know, walking into uh, rooms where people are sleeping and stabbing them in the head because uh, they were making a lot of noise. And when you're sleeping, your brain filters out anything it doesn't deem to be dangerous. Someone coming in your room while you're asleep, I think your brain would go, hey, that's weird, and wake you up. Is that true? I walk into my kids' rooms almost every night and they don't wake up. They don't think you're dangerous. But these guys are all, uh, these are, uh, yeah, these guys are sleeping in a a compound where, uh, you know, it's not normal for someone to come into the room. I I, I read that the other day that uh, your brain actually filters out anything that it doesn't deem to be dangerous. So maybe on a regular basis, somebody comes into their room to check on them. And then, therefore, they think that's a normal occurrence. Negan's actually a really nice guy. Well, Carol's the mom of the group. Negan's the dad of this group. He goes to check on them, make sure they're tucked in. Oh, aren't they cute? Aren't they sleeping nice? away like that. I'm going to yeah, wake yeah. them up tomorrow and give them a present. <laughs> that's right. Maybe maybe <laughs> that happens. I don't know. Yeah. In any case, Rick is able to get in there, stabs a dude in the head without waking him up. Now, Glenn and Heath have kind of gone off uh, together, and they do the same thing except have much more trouble actually doing it than Rick seemed to. Um, Glenn stabs one guy. Uh, Heath can't really do it, though, so Glenn takes the knife and stabs the other guy. So now Glenn has two human murders under his belt all at once. Yep. Um, But at the same time, I kind of liked the idea that Glenn was sort of sparing Heath the pain of having to do it. You know, Heath has been pretty lucky. He hasn't even encountered that many zombies, it doesn't sound like, so he's even more innocent to this whole world than Glenn is. And yeah. it's almost like Glenn sort of takes the takes the fall for him, right? He's like, look, I've been through some shit, I'll do this, it's just two more notches on my giant pile of crap, so yeah. why ruin your life by having to do it? Yeah, I'll take the heat for this. Pretty much, yeah. Now, before they leave the room, though, Glenn looks up and he sees a bunch of Polaroids plastered on the wall of what looks like people with their heads all bashed in. Yeah. Pretty sick, actually. It's, uh, I thought it was pretty gross and, and creepy, you know? It was pretty gross and creepy, and I kept yelling at the screen for Glenn to look away. <laughs> look away! Look, look away! Look away! Don't look at those, Glenn! What's the matter with you? You've done enough. You don't need to uh, look at those, too. But it, it calls back to that scene in the forest, right? Have you ever seen something that made it hard to sleep or eat? Well, poor Glenn in this scene had to... Stab two living guys in the head while they slept, and then see something that, you know, any normal person would have trouble sort of dealing with. Yeah. So, uh, Glenn goes through a lot in this one room, boy. Yeah. Back out in the truck, uh, we've got Tara and everybody, and she asks Father Gabe if he's still a priest because she wants to confess to him. And she tells him about the conversation with Denise from their kitchen earlier, 
and uh, she confesses that she's done something like this before. And I think she's talking about when she was with the governor. Yep. Um, and she didn't like it then either, she says, pretty much. Um, but Jesus says that if she loves her, meaning if Tara loves Denise, then she knows what she's fighting for. She has something to fight for. So, you know, whereas she didn't before necessarily, now she does. So right. it's okay that everyone's in there murdering people. Yeah, you know? as long as it's for the greater good. That's right. Um, back inside... Abe and Sasha are searching rooms. They come to a locked door, which they think is a good sign. That's probably where the guns are. It's something. It's something. But while she tries to jimmy it open or whatever, a guy sneaks up and uh, sneaks up on Abe, comes out of a door, and cuts him in the arm. Yeah. So Slashes him right in the arm. They have found a non-sleeping savior. Uh, they managed to kill him, but before... So he is able to pull a fire alarm. So yes. now the alarm is blaring. Yep. Which is not good. Now everybody thinks there's a fire. Or at least something. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, the fire. Uh, out on the perimeter, we've got Carol and Maggie, if you recall. Carol hears this, or they both hear it, I guess, but Carol wants to run in and help. Maggie wants to come, but Carol won't let her, which is kind of cliche. Um... Maggie wants to know what else she's supposed to do, and Carol tells her, you're supposed to be someone else. Yes. I guess she just means you're supposed to be more, you're you're pregnant, you're going to be a mother, you should be a mother, not a fighter, like what we're doing here. Yeah. Maybe Carol's saying, I don't really want to be the town mom. Maybe you can be that, Maggie. Uh, I'm not sure. I think maybe uh, she doesn't want uh, Maggie to go down the road that she has with 18 kills. I think she wants her to be a little more pure. Be Just be a mom, be someone uh, that doesn't go into danger because I've got to live with a lot of guilt on the people that I've killed and I don't want you to go through that. No, I like that. That's good. Um, Maggie still has her whole life ahead of her, Carol's trying to say. Don't screw yeah. it up like I did. Yeah. Because then you're going to start smoking and sleeping with guys named Tobin, and then where does that leave you? Oh, Making God. stupid cookies? Making beaten acorn cookies. Yeah. Um, before this scene is over, though, a walker sneaks up behind uh, Maggie, and Carol kills it. Yes. So lucky for them. Uh, so everybody in the truck, Jesus and all those folks, they hear the alarm. Uh, they decide what to do, which is Jesus, Tara, and Gabe stay, but Andy drives Craig back to the hilltop. Right. Um, and Jesus puts a mask on to go in and help. Now, I really liked the idea here that they were thinking through this enough that they realized that if um, if the saviors realize that Jesus is there or anybody else from the hilltop, they're going to realize that, you know, this isn't a random attack. This is something that the hilltop has played a part in. Yes, that they're involved in, for that, sure. That they're involved, right. So. I mean, if they can get away with doing this without the saviors realizing that that's what's happened, in theory, the deal between the hilltop and the saviors remains, you know, untouched. Yes. They could walk away from all this and they'd still have their relationship there, which is which is good. I'm glad they figured that out or figured, factored that in because it, it does make sense. Yeah. So if they see, if, when talking to Jesus, if they see you and we fail then uh, this ruins your deal with uh, with them. Right. And and Jesus says, they won't see me. That's right. Because he's got the mask and then goes all ninja Jesus. Ninja Jesus. It's exactly what he is. Um, so back inside, it's a full-on gunfight 
happening now. Everybody's killing people. They're running all over the place. Rick shoots some guys. We see Aaron kill a dude. Everybody's shooting. Um, uh, Tara outside kills two guys who try to run out the front door. So, so far, you know, our team is pretty proficient at killing everyone in this building. I suppose you could explain that by saying the saviors were unprepared, like they were all asleep and so oh, on. Oh, yeah. Roll for surprise. I mean, if you, uh, you know, D&D, you, if you successfully surprise a group of people, then uh, you get a whole round of initiative uh, where they don't get to do shit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, surprise and initiative plays a big part. If all of a sudden you got to, you're sleeping, if you're sleeping in your bed and uh, all, you hear the fire alarm go off and you open your eyes and then all of a sudden you hear gunshots, you're going to be disoriented. Yeah, you're not. I would be disoriented because I don't wake up instantly like I used to. Uh, but I would, uh, I'd be a little slow to react. I'm like, oh shit, now I gotta have a firefight without a cup of coffee. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I don't even have time to get a coffee and I gotta just I, start shooting. Bitches. I need a coffee and a smoke and then we can have a shootout. You <laughs> bastards. It's four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Cause our team is just killing everybody. Um, they smash a bunch of locked doors as they're doing this. They find out. Or they find what looks like a weed grow up behind one of them. <laughs> yeah, they kick open the door. I thought, oh, they're finally in the armory. It's like, oh, it's just a bunch of weed. <laughs> it's just a bunch <laughs> of weed, yep. Um, now, eventually, though, Glenn and Heath bust into a room full of weapons. So they have yes. found the weapons room. Uh, but they're being chased. They turn around and just start firing wildly through the door they came into and end up killing a load of people. They do, yeah. They just, they picked up uh, a bunch of weapons in the armory and start shooting back. Yeah. Because that's what you do is you leave uh, all the weapons in your armory, you leave them loaded and uh, ready to go. Well, if you're Negan, you do. Apparently. You're not supposed to leave weapons maybe, loaded. Maybe if you're in the zombie apocalypse, you do. Not in the real world, though. Oh, the, the armory, no. Beside your bed, yes. Okay. Have a weapon that's loaded and ready to go, but in the armory? No, I don't think so. Yeah, okay, that's probably But then true. again, this is the same group of people that bunched up with the motorcycles, so uh, they're just a disaster. What do they know anyways? Yeah. Uh, turns out Glenn and Heath killed a lot of people through that door, though. As they open it, one of them is not dead. He raises his gun, gets it pretty high, but yep. then suddenly he's shot to death by Jesus who saves the day. Yay, Ninja so, Jesus showed up. He showed up, that's right. Outside, Father Gabe approaches one of the people that Tara shot. He's still alive, um, but Gabriel quotes a bunch of scripture at him and then kills him. Oh, man, this was, uh, that was a beautiful scene. I loved it. <laughs> but the most interesting thing about this scene for me was what the guy said to Father Gabe before he killed him. Oh, yeah. He said, you're just as dead as me. You're all dead. Yeah, there's going to be a bloodbath. That's like some that. foreshadowing. That's a warning. If yeah, I ever no, heard that's one. Uh, you know sh- shit's coming down uh, down the pipe, and uh, you are the blockage in the sewer that's about to get blasted with a, uh, a jet of <laughs> air or water. That is an amazing analogy. Some <laughs> shit's coming down the pipe, and you're the blockage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. Um, all no, right, this was uh, this was reminded me of Pulp Fiction. When, uh, what's his name, uh, quotes the scripture mm-hmm. just because he wants to be a bad motherfucker and then, and then shoots, uh, shoots everybody. Samuel L. Jackson does that, That's right? It. Yeah. yeah. So this, uh, was like, not only was it scripture quoted and then shooting someone in cold blood, cause it really was in cold blood. Oh yeah. 
it was a priest that did that. Oh, yeah. I mean, Father Gabriel, he is the worst priest ever. Oh, he's a horrible priest. <laughs> uh, well, as far as priests go, right? Priesting, yes. Yeah, he's, as far as a priest goes, he was really crappy to his flock. He shunned, he kicked them all, he made sure they didn't get into the church where uh, he just was having a bake sale or a rummage sale or whatever the hell it was. So he had a bunch of canned food. Uh, yeah, he's absolutely horrible. And now he's got a weapon and he's killing people. He didn't have to kill that guy. Well, the, they were sort of there to kill everybody. And he said he was on board with the plan and he's coming to be part of the team. Yeah, he still didn't have to kill him. He could have waited and, and, until somebody else came and killed him. I suppose, yeah. Uh, so, Tara, do you want to come over here and kill this dude for me? I, I'm a priest. I shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. So now he's a cleric in a D&D game, right? Because clerics are the, the holy people, but they still uh, you know, beat the shit out of people when necessary. Okay. Like Friar Tuck. Is that what he was? Friar Tuck had a staff. He was uh, he he beat the crap out of people too. He was also a huge alcoholic. <laughs> huge. All right yeah. then. So now Father Gabriel's got to start smoking and drinking, and cavorting cavorting with Carol, and uh, then he'd be all set. He'll His fall from grace set. will be complete. He's gone. He's going over to the dark side. It sure seems like it. He's going to be a dark priest. Man, <laughs> you are on a roll. <laughs> he's on a roll too. Yeah. Well, it's daylight now, though, and uh, the group comes out outside from the Savior's compound into a courtyard with a bunch of cars. A bunch of cars from the 80s. Were they 80s cars? They all they looked like 80s cars. There was an old camper. Uh, there was like a GMC Jimmy, which are awesome vehicles. I would love to have a Jimmy. Uh, like an old Jeep of some kind and a truck that looks sort of 90s, maybe a little bit more modern. But uh, these most of these vehicles look like they're from the 80s. Well, I don't know. Maybe Negan's got a thing for classic muscle cars, classic 80s cars. No computers. Oh, there you go. It's all mechanical. You can just get in there and uh, find parts for them in any wrecking yard in the U.S. So you can put together a broken vehicle, no problem. That's why cars from the 80s are gold in the zombie apocalypse. Man, you and- Hyundai bullshit where you start your car, all of a sudden it breaks down. It's just like, oh my God, I need a goddamn computer to fix the car. Like you got to go to a service station and boot up the computer and do a diagnostics check. Yeah, give me a break. <laughs> oh man, you and Negan, you guys, you are on the same wave- wavelength. Yeah, <laughs> you're driving cars from the '80s, and he's collecting cars from the '80s. Damn right. All right, so we're, they're out there hanging around the bunch of '80s cars, and Glenn asks Heath to come back with them, but he says, "Nah, we just want to. I just want to get out of here." So we get another music scene now where we've get uh we get music playing over just some shots and we see the group saying goodbye to Tara and Heath. So mm-hmm. they are indeed leaving. She's gone off to have her baby. Yep. Um, with Heath. With, with Heath, yeah. <laughs> um we also intercut with scenes of Morgan back at Alexandria welding something. Oh, he's building a jail. What's he building? He's building a jail? He's building a jail. Behind him he's putting up uh, concrete blocks. Uh, is putting up. Uh, he's welding together a uh, what looks like uh, an iron bar mm-hmm. door, mm-hmm. and uh, he looks like he's framing in the door in, in the background. He's building a jail. Honest to God, good. Honest to goodness, jail. Who does he think he's going to put in there? Uh, somebody like him. That's how he started on this path. That's he true. He's in jail, so that's what he's doing. He's he wants to put somebody in there, oh. like he had for the uh, for the wolf guy. Yeah, but that guy was able to get out. Whereas if he had an honest-to-goodness jail, the wolf guy wouldn't have been able to get out, nor Jesus for that matter. 
True. And Eastman was his name, right? Kept him in a jail for a while. And you're right. That's, that's what right. put him on this path of redemption as he sees it. Yeah, he's building a jail. He's building a jail cell. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Very good. You are you are on top of this episode, Jason. I watched the whole thing. Good for you. <laughs> Unlike usually where I skip every second, you know, scene. <laughs> right. Uh and he, the other thing that Morgan, he sort of begins to cry, though, in this scene, or he he breaks down a little bit, but... Well, that's because everybody, he, while he's doing the thing where he wants to get somebody and stop them from killing anybody else and maybe redeem them in a way that he was redeemed, everybody else is off murdering people. Murdering people, yep, killing people. He's upset. Back at the murder party, uh, Rick comes to Michonne, and she asks, I just want to know which one of them was Negan. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling that none of them were Negan. Oh, yeah. There's no, not a chance in hell. Not a chance in hell. Um, you know what? I don't think it's uh, a spoiler to say that Negan is being played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who mm -hmm. was not in this episode. So mm -hmm. we have yet to meet Negan. You got to think he's going to be upset by what just went down here. You know, whether he's here hiding or he's somewhere else, uh, he's not going to be happy about having all of his dudes at this place killed. Right. So while they're standing there, though, suddenly a guy comes riding out of the compound on a motorcycle. Just like Steve McQueen in The Great Escape. Is that? Yeah, there you go. Sasha shoots him, and then Daryl kicks his ass. Now, <laughs> I, have a, I have a question for you again. Are we yeah. supposed to understand or believe that this is Daryl's motorcycle? Uh, I'm going to take a look at it in a second, but it, yes, I do believe that it is Daryl's motorcycle. It's, but it's not Daryl's original motorcycle. It's the one he was using in the episode where he met um, those three people in the woods. The Daryl episode? Yes. Oh, what's that guy's name? I forget the character's name right now. But that motorcycle, who they stole from him, um, yes. has now showed up here or shown That's up correct. here. That's right. It, that is Daryl's motorcycle or at least most of it. I recognize the tires and the gas tank kind of thing. But that is Daryl's motorcycle that somehow has made it into this compound. The one, that's right, the one that he fixed up in Alexandria, then was using to go on runs, and that got stolen from him. Yes, so that Does confirms. that mean Daryl's going to get his crossbow back? Well, the crossbow can't be, you'd think. I mean, if the motorcycle was taken, they took his crossbow too. Well, he's going to get his crossbow back then. He's got to. He has to. He's not Daryl Dixon without it. Um, but it also confirms that those three people that he met were part of this group of the saviors possibly if yeah. that wasn't confirmed already i mean yeah. i guess they yeah i suppose they could have had the motorcycle restolen from them but either yeah, way they could have run across somebody that was uh in the saviors and they yeah, killed yeah. them and took the motorcycle can't the believe crossbow. i can't believe i can't remember that guy's name now anyways um the guy who is not dead he's just been beat up by daryl he had a radio on him which suddenly comes to life and a female voice on the other end tells Rick to lower his weapon. Mm -hmm. And she refers to his weapon by make and model, so we know yeah. they can see them. This is where I figured that the snipers would come in. Oh, we'd start getting sniper shots all of a sudden. That's what I thought, was that, you know, lower your weapon or we're going to shoot, because they're snipers. Right. That's not the case overall, but uh, I think maybe there's still, there's still a possibility that there's snipers up in, the, uh, uh, up in a perch. There could be. How frightening would that be to be standing around in a crowd and suddenly one of you gets shot by a sniper? I mean, the rest of you just have to scatter and try yeah, to just, just run, 
get to get away. Um, Rick says into the radio, come on out so we can talk. And the voice on the other end of the radio says, oh, we'll talk because we've got a uh, Carol and a Maggie here. <laughs> and that's probably something you're going to want to chat about. Yeah. And that's basically the end of the episode. Uh, so Carol and Maggie are taken hostage by some people, some women. Um, we assume they're part of the Savior's group. Don't know anything about them. But what I loved in this final scene is how pissed off Rick looked as soon as he heard the names Carol and Maggie. The face yeah. Andy Lincoln made was amazing. He's just angry and frustrated, and he's going to go start punching zombies in the face just to break their nose. Yeah, totally. But, like, he's angry and frustrated at them, but also at himself. You know, he just, I could see in his facial expression, he suddenly realized, like, a flaw in their plan. Leaving two people out by themselves in the dark, you know, with inadequate protection, that was a weak point. And that's, those are the people that got, that got picked up, and now he's got to deal with this. Right. I think he I think it was another one of those Andrew Lincoln acting moments that are where he's just amazing. You know? The things I the do. man can do with his face are incredible. <laughs> <laughs> just his face. Just his face. So And Jesus was unmasked at this point too. So they can see him there. Yep. So it's a do or die for the uh, hilltop folk the, at this point as well. At this point, I mean the deal is off pretty much. Yeah, they're committed. Yeah. Wow. So pretty pretty good episode overall, I would say. This had a this I thought this episode had a great balance of the um the action because the whole back half or at least last third of this was like an action movie as with the raid on this place. Yeah. Um a fantastic kind of twist at the end there. And but the first half was, you know, the plan leading up to it and how they were gonna do it and what they were gonna do, and the plan was slowly revealed to us and um, I was pretty much just as fascinated by all that. So a really well-balanced episode, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I, I really like this episode. It's probably one of my favorite episodes. I'm not going to, I'm going to take out that probably. It was one of my favorite episodes of this season so far. Uh, we, it, it had everything. It had smoking, it had cookies, it had gunplay, it had, uh, priests shooting people. It had the most evil, mean, cruel line by a man given to a woman for breaking up with her. Oh, uh, it was just so gut-wrenching. It was beautiful. Um, yeah, I, I, the only thing that this episode didn't have was an A-team vehicle assembly montage with uh, somebody with a cigar saying, I love it when a plan comes together. That's the only <laughs> thing it was missing, but I can I can forgive them for not having that. And boy, the plan nearly did come together uh, yeah. until that very last moment. So I'm, I'm dying to see what happens next week. You know, who these people are, what they're going to do with Maggie and Carol and, and how Rick and the group are going to handle this. Yeah. I, I had a very strong feeling that this raid would have a moderate success at most. Right. I didn't think it was going to go their way completely. Yeah. Are, are you surprised nobody, nobody got injured on our side or killed? Uh, I'm a little surprised nobody got killed. Yeah. You know, uh, assaulting a defense, uh, you know, a defensive position, even, uh, people that have been there for a long time have had a chance to reinforce or try and, f they're a bunch of 
bag of idiots. <laughs> as far as defense goes, they had two schmucks out front and that was it. Uh-huh. Like, come on. But still, it's a defensive, defensible position. Uh, they're coming in. They don't know the layout. They don't know how many people are in there. They don't know location of anything. And they didn't take a single casualty. Uh, I'm a little disappointed in that. Sure. I mean, I, I see what you mean. But at the same time, it was nighttime. And as you said, it was a pretty poorly guarded place. Um, yeah. And no one was prepared for it. They didn't have time to get up and have breakfast and a coffee before they get into their firefight. So yeah. they really did catch them unaware or unprepared. So, um, but you're right. You'd think someone would have gotten shot or whatever. I guess Abe got sliced in the he arm. He got sliced up a little bit, but yeah. if only there was a doctor that could have come with them somehow. <laughs> I think a little cut to the arm. He's probably fine. Yeah, he's fine. It's just a flesh wound. Before we wrap up here though, what the big question I think is what does this say about our characters here. They did some pretty evil things like catching people asleep in their beds and just stabbing them in their head, in the head. I mean, that's pretty intense, heavy stuff. Are these still like, are these still the good guys? (laughs) You know, I don't think we can get it into a good guy, bad guy, bad guy kind of binary, uh, Logical situation. I, I, I just, I don't think it's it's that black and white anymore. I think it's a, it depends and maybe depending on the outcome. Right. right? Yeah. Like what, what is their, they have to look at their ultimate goal. Is their ultimate goal to fuck shit up and do this stuff because it's fun and it's cool? Or is their ultimate goal to do this shit, get it done so that you can live a long, peaceful life without having to do this shit anymore? If, if you think that's a realistic objective to not have to do this kind of thing anymore. Well, that's what they're, I think that's what their goal is. So to, to get rid of this situation so that they can have peace mm-hmm. in their, in their new, in their new home until they, because if they, if they don't do this, they definitely won't have peace. Yeah. Um, I wonder if, if they do this, they might have peace. Yeah. That's the thing. Is this, is the, is striving for peace kind of a fool's task, right? Like, is it even possible anymore? I don't know. Yeah. I think um, the governor had same the same motivations, though. Like, yeah. He wanted to do this shit so that he could have peace, or maybe was it that he wanted to have control? Well, it's a matter of perspective. Like, he wanted security. He wanted to live somewhere safe. I think he really enjoyed being in control. Yeah. I can't really... I mean, Rick is a leader, and no matter what happens, what no matter where he shows up, he always ascends to the leadership role. But I don't know that he necessarily is out for that kind of control like the governor was. Yeah. And like what I feel like Negan probably has, um, because he's willing to let other people do things. Maggie's a negotiator. Uh, you know, somebody else is, is doing something else. Um, he's not the dictator, the rictator. He is, yeah. he's, he's the leader who's trying to lead a happy, helpful, you know, loving society. <laughs> right. But at the same time. <laughs> By killing everybody. At this, that's right. <laughs> at the same time, as soon as they perceive a threat, their first thing is, well, we just have to kill them all. And that's a pretty big jump. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it was pretty su- surprising to me to see some of our characters like Glenn and everybody just going in there and just cold-blooded murdering people. Yeah. It was tough, but 
I mean, I guess they figure that's the only way to survive at this point. And they're, they're, re, they're acting on the information that they have, right? The Hilltop has said, these are bad people. These are evil people. They killed a guy in front of us to make a point. If they're going to do that, that's the only kind of response we need to have for them. Yeah. I don't know. So big moral question. Big yep. moral question in this one. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll read your holy crap moments. Stay with us. If you want to help support the Talking Dead podcast, everybody, you can do so in a couple of ways. The first one is to visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the talking dead, where you can make a small monthly pledge. There's a few rewards you can collect depending on the amount you pledge, and uh, it's a really great way to help us out. All the money, of course, goes into the cost of putting on the podcast and paying for hosting and equipment and stuff like that. Um, uh, so it's, it's, it's one great way to do it. You can also visit us on Amazon or visit us, use our Amazon links when you shop at Amazon. I should get that right. Yeah. Uh, visit talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon and click on the country of your choice. We really appreciate everyone who helps out, uh, whether it's through Patreon or Amazon and, uh, it all goes to put back right into the podcast. So thanks very much. All right, it's time for Holy Crap, Did You See That? And our first one here is a call from Wendy in England. Hi, Chris and Jason. It's Wendy in England. Um, my Holy Crap moment was Glenn's first human kill. Um, it was such an emotional moment, uh, not just for Glenn. Uh, Stephen Ewan did a fantastic job, as usual, um, but for humanity. Uh, a reminder that um, you know, the taking of a life shouldn't be taken lightly. Um, 
However, I think these guys have crossed the line this time. And I hate to think what the consequences are going to be. So scared. Anyway, love your podcast. Uh, love you guys. You're, you're really awesome. And keep on rocking. Bye. Thanks, Wendy. We'll try to keep on rocking. Um, but yeah, big deal that, that Glenn just went and killed a guy. And, and what I didn't say before, what Wendy said very well, is that it is just a reminder that these are human lives we're talking about. Human TV character lives. Yes. <laughs> human faces that you're putting a knife through while they sleep. Yeah, that's right. I mean, put a knife through a guy's eye socket while he sleeps. That's, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. Uh, okay. Along those same lines, Jenna Gemma in South Wales writes, My holy crap this week was Glenn. I'm actually shocked he killed his first humans, even though it caused him great anguish. He had made it thus far without doing it, and I think that's why he has been so untouchable with his nine lives, because he managed to retain his humanity. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so now he's killed a guy, <laughs> lost his humanity. Oh, poor Glenn. He may be, he may be in for some, some bad stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then Danny on the internet, again, uh, similarly on the same lines. Firstly... The scenes with Glenn and Heath murdering those guys was one of the most horrific things I've seen on The Walking Dead, which is saying something I know. It's horrific because we don't need to see them driving their knives into their skulls. Just the look on their faces makes you understand what is happening and what they're feeling as they do the deed. A deed that they were both somewhat nervous to do in the first place. Yeah. You know, we didn't see Rick put the knife into the skull. We didn't see Glenn do it both times. Um, in all three cases, we relied, you know, the emotions were portrayed by the actors' faces and uh, did a great job. And I think that's really all we as the viewers needed to see. Absolutely. Yeah, it was wonderful. You know? Um, all right, Jeremy in West Virginia writes, Holy crap, SEAL Team 6 has nothing on the Rick Grimes gang. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know what SEAL Team 6 is? I do. I had to look it up, but I know now. But it's one of the most prestigious SEAL teams in the U.S. military. Well, there you go. They're not a thing anymore, though, I don't think, right? They don't well, exist I, anymore? I, I couldn't tell you. All right. Not officially, but then again, the A-team doesn't exist officially either. Well, you know, the A-team has nothing on <laughs> Rick Grimes' gang either, so. <laughs> no. That's right. Uh, thank you, Jeremy. KJ on the internet writes, Holy crap, did you see how much blood dripped off of Rick's knife when he killed the first sleeping savior? Rick looked at it and shook his head a little bit. After death, blood pools toward the bottom of the body, accounting for pale faces. The copious amounts of bright red blood dripping from the knife further highlighted that these were living victims and highlighted the brutality of our group's actions. Gripping stuff and thangs. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. It's like when Rick stabbed that guy in the throat and all the blood just poured out of him. Oh, last week, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, Rick, uh, that was a lot of blood on there. And it's like, yeah, Rick was a little shocked to see how much uh, actual arterial blood was on his knife. Oh, there's a lot of blood in the human body. And when you get someone in the right spot, it all just comes gushing out. Six pints? Is that I think it is? Yeah, something like that. It's a lot. How much blood is in the human body? Go ahead. All right, next is friend of the show, Adam, and he writes, My holy crap moment was me nearly laughing my ass off when Eugene was standing behind Rosita eating cookies. <laughs> Quote, you try one of these? They're chewy. They uh, got some fight in them. <laughs> Fuck, that was the funniest yet creepy jump laugh. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. 
I, I, it's just such a bizarre scene to go from that breakup to that. I mean, it's just polar opposites. Yeah. That reminded me of, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because that reminded me of the Gary Larson, uh, comic where a polar bar, polar bear is eating an igloo. He's got an igloo cracked open and he says, I love these things. They're crunchy on the outside and chewy in the middle. That was a far side? Yeah, I think so. God, I don't remember that, but that sounds felonious. Uh, Hilarious. Yeah, that was felonious. <laughs> There's also one of my favorites is uh, there's a dragon uh, holding a, uh, a suit of armor, uh, full plate armor with steam coming out, and the dragon is uh, is holding it and about to bite into it. Ooh, hot, 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 hot. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. My favorite was uh, people driving up a mountain road, and the sign said, look out ahead, and then the road just ended at a cliff, and they were driving off, and it said, look out. <laughs> yeah good stuff oh uh, fun fact uh thagomizer you know those dinosaurs that have uh, a tail and on the tail there's four spikes yes okay in gary La- in the gary larson cartoon uh it was called a thagomizer because he had recently killed a, a caveman named thag with his uh with his tail and he called it a thagomizer uh the fun fact is that uh, those dinosaurs uh the people that named the parts of that dinosaur liked Thagomizer, and that's the actual name of that part of that kind of dinosaur now. The Thagomizer. The Thagomizer. Good. Good to know. Fun Gary Larson fact. There you go. Uh, James on the internet writes, My holy crap this week was Eugene waiting out in the landing thinking, You guys just have sex already. I've brought cookies to eat while I watch. <laughs> <laughs> Popcorn, yeah. Yeah, I got a snack this time. Uh, Sally on the internet writes, holy crap, Carol has been handed a little bit of romance, or at least a shadow of a hint. It's about damn time. Yes. So some romance for Carol. Good for her. Sean on the internet, holy crap, did you see that red oxygenated blood from the walker Carol killed? Shouldn't that shit be brown or black by now? Something. That walker at the beginning, who I said looked like was wearing a mask, very Mm. red blood sprayed on her. That's true. And often- it was just recent. Recently deceased. Maybe. Very recent. Although she looked so messed up, but I don't know. I guess that can happen. Um, Where are we? Steve on the internet. Holy crap, double tap. After Michonne stabs the head puppet master, Rick takes a second to head stab the savior. Uh, Yes, so the guards they're talking about, uh, they kill them and then get them in the head too so they don't come back. I mean, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's just, it's prudent. It really is. Uh, Sharnisha on the internet, holy crap, Carol has a soul. Her little list of murderers was an interesting touch. How was Candlewoman four people, though? Or did she figure the Candlewoman was the fourth at Terminus? I think she was at the, she was the fourth at Terminus. Because the other one was, it said, she said three, right? In yeah. the In the courtyard or whatever. Three and then candle. But she added it all up and came to 18, so that wouldn't make sense. No. I'm not sure. If anyone can figure out Carol's math, let us know. Maybe her math is off. Maybe she's not good at the maths. Maybe. She's just good in, good at the killing, not so much the math. Well, yeah, you don't have to be so super good at that uh, math to be able to kill people, but no. being able to add them up, maybe. Yeah. You know, add, you know, if she can make a recipe, she can add up how many people she killed. That's true. She's good at cooking and killing. Yep. Noop J on the internet writes... Holy dingleberries, did you see that? Abraham is turning into the Sawyer of the group. Always a wise crack, and 
a newfound term for us to enjoy. Holy dingleberries indeed. <laughs> Sawyer was much better at it, and it was much more fun in Lost. Yep, I was thinking the same thing. Sawyer was better at it, and Sawyer also had lines that weren't one-liners. Abraham doesn't seem to anymore. Yeah, and he had a good nickname for everybody. Well, nicknames are fun. Come on. Everybody, well, yeah, I love nicknames, but it was always a different nickname. Right. Uh, Daryl was nicknaming people for a while in the show, wasn't he? Yes, right at the beginning. That sort of died out, though. Which yeah, it fell away. I'm okay with. Uh, Miles on the internet, holy crap, I actually liked the scenes with Father Gabriel. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a question? <laughs> well, he put a question mark and an exclamation at the end. So, uh, yeah, I... I I'm not, I'm kind of right there with Miles. Father Gabe has been a little bit tedious lately, but he was better this episode. No, it was awesome. I think Father Gabe was excellent in this episode. I thought that was uh, he was badass. Cold. Oh, so cold. He wasn't even mentally struggling with that. It was just I'm going to quote this scripture and then just shoot. Yeah, that's that part was amazing. Earlier on when he was just telling Rick, you know, oh, I learned how to shoot and fight, so I'm good now. I mean, that was wasn't quite as awesome, but maybe necessary just so that we, we understand his uh, his feelings on things right now or his position, you know? He, he might be a full-on sociopath at this point. Well, he's, he's swung back and forth a few times here, you know? Yeah. So maybe. Finally, Steve in Cambridge, my holy crap moment was the fact that they didn't spend four episodes planning the attack on Negan's group. So many past storylines, they spend so much time leading up to things, it was nice to see them get down to it. That's true. I was a little worried at the beginning of the episode that this would just end up being a uh, uh, all-talky, montage type episode with nothing actually happening. But boy, was I wrong. Yeah, you were very wrong. And the interesting thing is here, the second half of season six is just plowing by. Like, it, they're they're moving fast. Are. You know, we've we've wrapped up the zombie attack on Alexandria. We skipped two months <laughs> and, uh, you know, we found the hilltop. We met Jesus and now we're attacking the saviors the very next episode. Um, they're moving along and I really actually kind of like it because, you know, I've never been one of the people that thought the show was too slow or whatever. Sure, it has its ups and downs and stuff momentum wise, but. I also kind of think that uh, I was wondering how they were going to fill the last eight episodes of this show if we're going to be introduced to the hilltop and we're going to have to hang around there for a while. And what are they going to how are they going to fill the space to get to the saviors, which I assumed were coming at the very end of the season? Yeah. But now we've already attacked them. We've already killed a bunch of them. We haven't met their leader yet, but I'm like, wow, what are they going to do? There's there must be some really amazing stuff coming up in the next. Uh, what do we have four left? Four, yep. So it's it's fun. It is nice to see the show just uh, moving along at a, a speedy clip. It's true. As they say. It is, yeah. Okay, that's going to do it for Holy Craps. Jason, um, this, was a, this was a fun one. This was a really fun episode. And like I just finished saying, it's going to be exciting to see where they go from here in the next four episodes. I'm very excited. I'm uh, yeah. There's it. Uh, I was expecting us to be here in four episodes. So uh, now anything could happen. Yeah, exactly. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. We'll be back uh, later this week with our feedback show. Uh, so get your feedback into us so we can fill up the airwaves with that when we record our next podcast. 
If you want to do so, the best way to do it is go to our website, click on Send Voicemail, and you can record a message right into your computer that will be emailed to us. And, of course, you can also send email to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. I'll go through it all, pull out as much as I can, as much as I can, and uh, and get that get that on the air for our feedback show. Um, otherwise, you can also visit us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Talking Dead or on Twitter at Talking Dead. All right. That's going to do it for us for tonight. Uh, Until next time, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Good night. All right. Time for Holy Crap, Did You See That? And uh, the first one here is a call, I think, no, don't have a call. <laughs> I did have a call. Oh, there it is. <laughs> We're taking calls. Okay, caller, uh, you're on the air. <laughs> caller, you're on the air. <laughs> I'm going to start that over again.